Welcome back, y'all, to episode 147 of the Zachary Wingate Podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short-form podcast as informing as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. Happy New Year 2023. Well, today I didn't really know if I wanted to cover this topic because sometimes I really don't cover the topic of murder that much, but I did a podcast recently, probably in the last month or so, on kind of going into the Idaho murder case and different aspects of it. Um, And the police in Idaho have brought in a suspect by the name of Brian Coburn, who is considered to be the lead suspect currently in this case. Now, what's really interesting is because of the nature of it with Brian being in his uh, family residence in PA as he was arrested, he has to be sent back to Idaho. Now, because of this, there is a probable cause affidavit that has not been released. So because he hasn't brought into Idaho within how the Supreme Court works with judicial law is the information about why potentially the Moscow police arrested him why he could be potentially the suspect hasn't been released but we know that they did a press cons kind of press conference talking about different aspects of it now within it i've looked at a couple things on the internet i've done some reading and i've listened to the interviews and it's been really compelling and interesting um why they arrested him and i have some theories on it as well as some information so we can go ahead and get into it So the first thing that makes Brian kind of a person of interest is understanding a little bit more about his background. Um, He got his master's degree from Washington State in criminal justice. And at the time of the murder, he was working at a university about nine miles away where he was working as a graduate student um, and working to get his Ph.D. in criminal justice. Now, looking at the profile of him, you know, he was about a six foot white male. um, And, you know, people generally said there was... He's very awkward. Um, There's been a lot of stuff coming out. The first is while while pursuing his PhD at the university, he started a study. And within this study, he was trying to identify different indicators and questions for why someone um, commits a serial crime. And, you know, looking at different research of if you would help the person, what are different questions? And he had a lot. It was like an open an open ended survey kind of going in and testing what people do if you knew a serial killer and different aspects of you know how would you receive it now what's interesting about it is if you look at it a lot of his classmates uh, are saying or people who were in his class that he he went on with this um he went on for this grad study for a long time he was asking people in the library for about a month these questions and there's reports about him and he just kept asking people these questions trying to understand it and looking into it now it's like it's it's really interesting because even during the time of the murders he was pursuing it and he was still working as a graduate student within the criminal justice um, program you know and that's something that's really interesting is how he's so tied to criminal justice and even in his undergrad you know he was taking these criminal justice classes back in PA and consistently interrupting the professor that was teaching at the time trying to indicate that he knew more about serial killers and things like that and there's some interesting things coming about out about his personality that he was this avid vegan now 
this one's really interesting because if he was a vegan, usually vegans don't like death or like consuming anything like that um, when it comes to killing an animal. But I guess what he did is he made all of his parents buy new pots and pans whenever he became a vegan. Now, my theory about this is how can... I don't know, it's just weird if he's a vegan because I know vegans and they are really anti-death and blood. And when you look at kind of how these cases went, there's a very bloody scene. So that's kind of an interesting theory being presented about him being vegan and maybe having an anal personality or someone who, who needs to have a lot of control. Um, so the another thing that's been really interesting is that there's been two recordings surfacing on the internet talking about the case and I have some recordings from them and I'm going to lay them out just for you to listen to them because it's really strange so the first one presumably is from an anonymous account that posted a video that said this person had a family member who was working on the case and after the father said something on Fox News about the murder he thought it was important for him to release it now this is where it gets interesting because the fact that he's following the case so much and this is an anonymous person giving this video overview and when you watch the video at some point he's recording he's recording using his phone looking at a monitor and the monitor goes black and you can see the reflection of the person who is speaking and when you look at the reflection it looks a lot like the serial killer Brian so that's really interesting and the way he talks about the case is really strange I'm going to go ahead and play that for you so you can listen to whoever this individual is. It hasn't been confirmed it's Brian, but a lot of people are thinking it is based on the way he was talking. This report, um, I just want to let you know that I'm a relative of families. However, now that one of the victim's fathers has released some of the gruesome details himself, I'd like to share some of the um, investigative theory. Um, as you know, the two women were found in the same bed, but... Um, with similar wounds, that's what's being reported. Um, that's not exactly 100% true, um, at least in, in, in regard to the fact that they weren't, um, they hadn't fallen to sleep in the same bed. Um, one of the victim's wounds were deep gouges that were delivered with extremely aggressive force, so much so that the victim's liver and lungs were destroyed. And that's just the way it's talking and the, and the way that you hear that person um, communicating, it's just really, really strange. I find it to be very interesting that anybody, number one, would want to release it, but he doesn't ever really indicate why he's releasing it. Because if you really think about it, if you're releasing this information, you're doing it for attention. You're not doing it to help people. You're not doing it to stop the murder. You're not doing it. Because if really, if you're part of the investigation, you know the the mindset for you to release it is going to be one that requires some um attention now what's really interesting about the case is brian is wanting to go back to idaho so by him going back to idaho the information is going to be released about it and he's also indicating that by him going back to idaho indicates that he thinks that he is also innocent but in a way too if he's going back to idaho and we're going to learn about the case and this is him talking about it, then there's a part of him that is really proud of it. And if you look at his personality in high school, he was bullied, he was socially awkward, and he didn't know how to communicate with people. And now if he has done this grand act where he committed this quadruple homicide, it's really for some level of attention. Now, I'm going to play another recording of a podcast conversation, and they are eerily 
similar members and you know the one thing that every single one of them I, I, I feel like has asked me is if you were going to kill somebody how would you get away with it and I just wonder if maybe if maybe this is nothing more than some kid in a fraternity trying to prove himself wow um so those are two different audios now some similarities i notice about him is the pauses so when you're listening to it and he's talking or whoever's talking there are some similarities from the first video and the second video for example he is taking long pauses whenever he communicates so he's kind of talking in this rhythm that is almost like he's thinking about what he's about to say. Now, in the second one, he literally called into a true crime podcast, indicated that he heard fraternity students, frat, frat students, doing a survey about what they would do or asking questions and how they would get away with murder, which is so interesting to Brian's actual grad school research project. It coincides with that. So... We're looking at this case and saying within within these indicators, you know, we have some insight into the motive of it, but he was doing this preliminary research. He was looking at it through a academic standpoint. He had a notion of being more intelligent than actually the professors about it. So there is some arrogance there. And if he is going on TikTok and giving messages or giving overviews on the theory of how the people were killed, saying he's close to a family member on the case... Once again, it makes no sense. And if you look at the video of him in the first one, he has a Mac Airbook Pro. He's surrounded by multiple computers. And it almost looks like he's in some type of lounge or research lab equivalent to where you would be if you were a grad student working on this case. Now, he might have think it was really intelligent for him to do it, but how they were able to find him. So... Here's where another aspect of rumors are being created is they think that Brian's sister could have potentially lived close to the victim's homes. So maybe that was um, a point in which they could have interacted with each other. You know, him driving this white cilantro, which is the car that has been kind of taken in as to be the suspect based on footage shot after 3.45 a.m. of the night of the murder in, in video footage. Well... The next thing that's interesting is they have DNA. So they potentially think Brian's DNA is tied to it. And that's how they found the car. Um, which if Brian is a criminal, justice, whatever, it's really, it's really crazy. Now, the next thing to where I think it gets a little bit weird is I did some preliminary research. I looked up Brian's Instagram account and I wanted to see his friends and followers. Because I don't know, you know, what's going on with the accounts right now. He had a fair amount of followers. I don't know if it's the actual account, but... Within those Instagram accounts, he is actually following both victims who he killed. So there's another tie at that point if that's his Instagram, and that's for sure. And if it is his Instagram, I watched a video, and the video was really weird. It was about a, he only had one post, and it was a video about a person beating somebody up with a baseball bat, and baseball bat, and the cops were coming, and there was blood everywhere, and very violent. So, you know, when you look at his profile, you look how people are talking to him. And the next thing is there was actually an article done in the New York Post 
about a brewery he used to go into and how he really created creepy vibes, quote-unquote, is what the, they're saying about him. He's a patient there, and after one or two beers, he would start to get really weird. Well, what does that mean? Well, the owner of the brewery actually confronted him about it, and Brian was shocked and said, that's not me. There must be some type of mistake. It must be somebody else. Now, where it gets interesting is this particular brewery had a system where they would scan IDs. And when they'd scan these ideas, they would put different notes for each each patriot, patron, each customer who came in with the intention of saying different notes. And one of the notes for Brian, which is theirs clear day within the New York Post kind of worked on, is said that, you know, the everyone in the waitstaff said Brian was really, really creepy and weird. And he had an issue for confronting these waitresses. On one instant, he actually ended up calling a woman the b-word and because he wanted to know where she lived who she was dating a lot of really creepy information so he got um the reputation for being a creep within this brewery so that's already out in the new york post that's the owner of the brewery who you can see his face his name is in the article indicating that so he has a reputation for being kind of creepy and weird around women once again we look at the indicators you know and now there's some similarities from ted bundy now the last thing that's really interesting and this is kind of a little bit further um idea out there is the japanese kind of have this theory about the whites of your eyes so within the whites of the eyes if there's four points of no connection there's something potentially demonic or off about you if you look at these pictures of brian he has a very similar look and you can see the whites of his eyes and it's very similar to He's drawing a lot of similarities to actually Ted Bundy, who also got his uh, graduate degree from the University of Washington. They have a very similar look. They have very similar eyes of these white eyes. Now, when you look at them based on all of that, I mean, that's not a hardcore theory. But if you look at all the different murderers in the last 15 years or 25 years within the United States, they have a very similar look within their eyes. And you can see the whites. So... You know, more on this case, um, more information will be given after Tuesday, which today is the first. So tomorrow, um, when Brian Coburg will be sent extradited back to Idaho after Tuesday, the affidavit will be released for probable cause so we can get more information on why they arrested him. But as we're looking at it, I mean, the suspect is starting to line up. So thank you guys for listening and we will get back to you tomorrow.